All right, guys, and welcome to Don't Tread on America. I am your host, Don Q. How's everybody doing out there today? It is February the 23rd, 2022, Wednesday, I should say, Wednesday, Wednesday, right? All right, guys, welcome to today's show. We are brought to you in part by Redcon1.com. That's right, Redcon1.com, great supplement company out of the great state here of Florida. Check them out. Use the link at the bottom of the podcast app in which you're listening to this on. And uh, buy some stuff. Come on, man. Help an American company out with American products. And everything's from America. Nothing's from China. Check them out. And uh, while you're on that podcast app in which you're listening to the show on, if you give us a five-star rating and make sure you share this with your friends. All right. Uh, so what we're going to do today is we're going to continue our discussion on the Blackstone Group, also Black Rock Group, and the WEF, and uh, how all of that leads into the Great Reset. Then I want to touch on some news of the obvious, and then a little bit of current events, nothing that anybody doesn't know about, and that would be uh, what's going on in Russia in Ukraine, I'm not going to make a whole show about that because I'm sure if you watch any other news, listen to any other podcast, you're being inundated with Russia, Ukraine, whatever. So I don't really want to dwell on that. Anyway, with that being said, let's get to our first story of the day. And um, basically, what is the Blackstone Group have to do with the Great Reset. So I found this. This is from uh, Klaus Schwab, uh, who is the leader of the WEF, the World Economic Forum. And uh, this is just, this is going to be something I want to play because he talks about a lot of names you'll understand and 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 we'll we'll tie all this together. So let's play this real quick. The young generation, like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, half of this government, are actually young noble leaders of the world. Right. We penetrate the cabinets. The change is not just happening. The change can be shaped by us. We have to prepare for a more angry world. How to prepare? Take the necessary action to create a fairer world. I see the need for a great reset. So people assume we are just going back to the good old world which we had and everything will be normal again. This is, uh, let's say, fiction. It will not happen. There is only one way this pandemic is going to go. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. The next crisis is already waiting for us around the corner. And it is it's a climate crisis. So, <clears throat> if you could understand his uh, German uh, speaking there. So, the, the one gentleman was from the WHO, the director of the WHO, the World Health Organization. Uh, it, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Uh, Klaus Schwab sitting there saying, we can never go back to the good old days. Um, basically... And we've, we had a show about this back last year on The Great Reset. It's, it's good to know everyone's kind of joining the party. More of the uh, mainstream podcasts are finally starting to talk about The Great Reset. I mean, 
Chris and I did a show, I don't know, seven, eight months ago about the Great Reset. If you guys want to go back and look at it, it's actually labeled the Great Reset. Check it out. Um, but <laughs> we've been talking about this. Like I said, I'm glad to see that it's becoming more mainstream finally. And we don't look like a bunch of kooks sitting here um, down in the great state of Florida thinking all these guys are crazy. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. But um, the idea behind, like he said, getting these younger leaders from, you know, around the country. Obviously, not talking about Biden right now. But when you think about that, who in America, what could he be talking about here? And then you look at, you know, the AOCs, the squads, those types of things. And then I found this substack from um, a gentleman named Jordan uh, Shashtel. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping I'm saying that name right. But anyway, he says, The Great Reset Part 2, The World Economic Forum's Great Narrative Project. So Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum are plotting their next big move. Time is of the essence, and Klaus Schwab and the WEF are here to save you from yourself. The climate emergency has arrived, and we have no time to waste. The, envir the environment is on the brink of disaster, and climate change is an existential threat. Klaus Schwab, the head of the infamous WEF, hammers home the aforementioned call to action on virtually every page of his latest manifesto, The Great Narrative, which acts as part two of his Great Reset book series. In recognition of the end of COVID mania, the Great Narrative is an attempted reminder to keep us on the edge and is a grand call to keep sweeping action to fight the climate emergency. Via Klaus Schwab's credentialed elite, it relentlessly hammers home the apparent necess necessity of taking dramatic, tyrannical measures to interfere, uh, intervene <laughs> in the climate. And by intervening in the climate, he means radically reorienting every nation on earth by imposing a totalitarian global governance order. So before I read on, think about it. So you have COVID mania, as he says, and we've been dealing with it for, I mean, we're, we're into the end of it. This is now an endemic, uh, contrary to popular opinion. We're, we're at the end of this. But for a solid year and a half, it was hysteria. I'm not just talking about in this country. I'm talking about throughout the world. But what did that do? It caused a supply chain crunch. We're seeing it here, but it's, it's everywhere. This isn't an American thing, this supply chain thing. We can blame Biden all we want because we're in America and he's running the show, so to speak. So it's easy to blame him, but this, this is above him. Um, but we've seen... You go to your local car dealership, no matter where you live, there's nowhere near the cars. Some of these dealerships are going out of business or are consolidating. You see a lot more used cars being sold at being sold at ridiculous prices, mind you. But then a lot of these manufacturers, no matter who they are, are focusing more towards electric vehicles. Now, does that have anything to do with these climate crises? I don't know. I think the interesting thing is about electric vehicles is this. Okay, we can talk about gas. Oh, we, we got to fill up each tank with gas. It, you know, now it's going up to close to $4 a gallon, you know, which is another way to get you to quit driving your vehicle, right? 
but focus on gas prices. Gas is raising. We're going to blame Russia. <laughs> okay, well, all this crap going on over there, we, it's because of Russia. Now gas is going to go up because, okay, well, if we weren't dependent on foreign oil, not that we're dependent on Russian oil, but oil from any other country, we wouldn't have to worry about this. But nonetheless, that's a that's a story for a later point. At any rate, if you um, you take all these things, the supply chain, you quit making cars. Now, what was the thing with the convoy, the Freedom Convoy in Canada, right? Well, it's causing uh, Ford and Toyota and whoever to not be able to get parts to build cars, so they're closing down factory. I mean, think about it. You have different situations occurring throughout the, the country and the world, and it's causing energy shortages. It's causing car part shortages. It's causing, I mean, everything has to do with climate without it directly being said it has to do with climate. Think about it. What's going on in Taiwan, China, is causing the semiconductor shortage, which is another reason why we're having a car shortage in this country. And that's in this country. Every country is having a car shortage. This isn't an American thing. Okay, in America, you had the trucker convoy, the freedom convoy in Canada, right? And they closed the bridges down and they did whatever. And what did you hear a lot about? Oh, well, a lot of the plants in, in Michigan and in other states up in north Wisconsin are having to shut down production because they can't get their parts from Canada. Or they can't ship this or they can't ship that. Okay, then you have what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. And for some reason or another, that's going to have something to do with our gas prices. Why? <laughs> Number one, if we had focused on making semiconductors in this country, we wouldn't have a problem. But we couldn't do that because we needed that problem. We shut down the pipeline in this country to depend on foreign oil. And now there's a crisis in Ukraine, Russia, you know, Eastern Europe, whatever you want to call it. And somehow or another, that's affecting our gas prices. And then you have the trucker convoy in Canada that caused, you know, um, auto automotive manufacturers in the north to shut down production. It all has to do with this. So, Klaus Schwab, you take these leaders, these young leaders, we infiltrate the, uh, infiltrate the cabinets and do these things. So... <laughs> All this stuff can take place. It kind of makes you wonder what the Freedom Convoy was about. Like, we understand what it was about, or we understand what we were told it was about. Was it about that? Or was it, we keep on hearing the words false flags. Oh, Russia's false flag, Ukraine's false flag, this false flag, that. But Well, how do we know this trucker convoy wasn't another false flag to be able to do the things they wanted to do? I'm just... I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not saying that's the facts. I'm not saying that what happened in Canada didn't need to happen. I mean, I'm sure it needed to happen. It's going to happen in this country from all accounts. It looks like there's going to be a convoy heading to D.C. here in the next week. Um, but is that another false flag? I mean, you had some of the um, the provinces or whatever up in Canada that started reversing mandates you had even in this country on the thought of protest you've had states and cities and whatnot reverse their stance on mandates and 
COVID uh, vaccine mandates and and uh, papers, you know, and so on and so forth. But is <laughs> see how can I try and put all this together? Is it a reason? Are they doing it because of the trucker convo? Okay, these people are protesting. We're going to go ahead and relax, whatever. Or is it because they know that the end of this is we're at the end of this COVID thing? It's time to move towards a, another situation, right? I mean, why now the trucker convoy? They could have had that a year ago. Why now? The, the, what they were protesting isn't new. It's not like uh, Trudeau came out, you know, two weeks ago and said, this is what we're going to do. And they got pissed off and protested. They'd been doing this. <laughs> so why now? You understand? Why the trucker convoy in America? Why now? It's very, la- I mean, there are still some mandates and stuff like that in some of these states and some of these cities. I get that. But it's nothing like it was a year ago. So why now? I finally, oh, what, the reason they're doing it now is because people are pissed off. Okay. Finally, you're pissed off. I was pissed off when it started <laughs> two years ago, right? So, and in Florida, we didn't really have any, I shouldn't say we didn't have any, but we didn't have half the issues that most of this country had to do, had to go through or the rest of the the world for that matter. But let me continue reading this because I have more to say about that as I go into into this. So anyway. According to Schwab, the most the world must be rapidly transformed according to the designs of a technocratic elite, and we must adopt the ideas and policies, preferences of fifty handpicked narrators interviewed for the book, who he described as global thinkers and public intellectuals. Now, I would also say that that doesn't include Biden, but nonetheless. Schwab uh, describes the great narrative as a book that goes beyond the realm of theory, serving as a call to action. We adopt the view that as they recover from the pandemic and embark on a path to radical and accelerated change, our societies and economics should be attuned to the needs of our global commons, the author says. While Schwab entertains a variety of ideologies, and political perspectives, there is one group of people who are dis, uh, dismissed whole cloth. That group, of course, is individuals and groups that do not buy into his climate narrative. Schwab cannot hide his disdain for these rogue actors who he notes with disgust are largely located in the U.S. Shocking. According to Schwab, the enemies of his kumbaya world include nationalist, populist, individualist, and those who support free markets. <clears throat> so, obviously, he's talking about America there, right? Which is another reason they couldn't stand Trump. Everything you just that I just said, nationalist, populist, individualist, people who support free, that's Trump in a nutshell. Had to get him out of the way. You get a puppet in here like Biden. I remember for four years, all we heard was how... Trump was um, Putin's puppet. Oh, he's, he's Russian puppet. He's Russian. Blah, 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 blah. You watch Biden speak, and you know he is a puppet in the worst way. And and they're trying, because they've already got other countries on board with this. Canada, Australia, countries in Europe. They're on board with this. Um, 
because basically, well, let me let me read on. <laughs> I'm sorry. Schwab describes his cohort of supposed endeavors as conspiracy theorists who are responsible for all the world's ills. These individuals prompt up anti-science movements that prolong the waning of the COVID-19 pandemic. Schwab uh, writes, adding to this group is hindering both public health and more fundamentally our ability to move forward in unison. Anyway, enough of these evildoers who draw the ire of the author. Schwab had his eyes on the prize and there is no time to waste. Climate action, sustainably, inclusivity, global co cooperation, health, and well-being are the most important issues to address in our times, he writes. Not moving right away and decisively would render our biosphere so hostile as to derail global economic growth and further endangering political and social st stability. In one page after another, the WEF chief showcases ideal ideological commitment to climate change agen agenda. Climate change is the greatest collective action problem we've been confronted with, he says, adding that humanity... <laughs> Humanity has never faced an endeavor more complex, ambitious, and far-reaching than arresting the collapse of our ecosystem and stabilizing the climate. Schwab is an unbelievable god. Or I'm sorry, he has an unbelievable god complex, and frequently reminds the readers that of his apparently unlimited technocratic fault, uh, facilities. He routinely re reveals that he believes his group of colleagues have dealt. Um, deity-like powers, and once they unite overall expertise, these technocrats, once in charge of us all, can bring about the unprecedented happiness and order. So, okay, basically, to put it in a nutshell, if you guys have ever seen the movie Demolition, uh, Demolition Man with Sylvester Stallone, and you had, what was his name, I think Dr. Katu or Katu or whatever, he was the the leader of San Angeles or whatever it was called. Um, I kind of equate Schwab, Klaus Schwab to him, but in a grander scale, like in demolition, man, it obviously focused on one area of California, San Angeles, I think, which was what I'm assuming was from San Francisco to Los Angeles. I don't know, but nonetheless. So he created this uh, euphoric state, right, of, of peacefulness, and everyone got along, and you know, everyone, everything was great and hunky dory, and um, and that's kind of Klaus Schwab, but obviously on a grander scale. Um, the question is, is who's the uh, the Phoenix, or what was the name, Simon Phoenix, <laughs> right, uh, the the Wesley Snipe character in, in this? Who's the Sylvester Stallone character in this. Who's the Dennis Leary character and all these? See what I'm saying? So, because you you know in the movie he needed the Wesley Snipes character to create um, disruption, right? For whatever reason. So is that part being played by Putin and or China? I don't know. Who's the Sylvester Stallone in this? Is it Trump? Is it DeSantis? Is it someone along those lines? Um, the problem is, and what worries me, is the idea behind what he wants to do is have this great world reset where you own nothing. 
right? We talked about this on the last show where I was talking about the Blackstone Group and BlackRock buying up all these entities. And my question was, why did they buy 23andMe? Why does Richard Branson own, I'm sorry, why does Richard Branson own 23andMe? Why did Blackstone buy up Ancestry? Why is BlackRock buying up all the property? Why are these, you know, and then on top of that, those companies own stake in Richard Branson's group, Virgin Group, which owns 23andMe. So why would these corporations that are busy buying up land, property, so you you and me and everyone else can't own anything. You're just going to have a place to live. You just don't own it. But why are these companies buying up these ancestry DNA facilities, these companies? I mean, I mean, I guess I'm being skeptical, obviously. And you could sit there and say, oh, well, uh, duh, they're trying to make money. It's a big moneymaker. Okay, maybe. Or it's also uh, we got 100 million people's DNA on file now. And we can create things out of these, not so much to come after you personally, but they can create things based on DNA profiles. I mean, I don't know. The, the concerning part about all of this is it's happening right in front of our face and, and no one's, no one's paying attention. Like, when you listen to other shows and they talk about the Great Reset, a lot of them focus on digital currency and or Bitcoin. Is Bitcoin good or bad? Or not even just Bitcoin per se, but that type of currency, that cyber currency. Um, some people say it's good because it can't be tracked, it can't be traced. It's not like it doesn't, and I hear this, it doesn't hold value, it doesn't, or it doesn't increase or decrease. Like, hell, it fluctuates more than a dollar does. But... Be that as it may, um, <laughs> it still is. It's not physical currency. Like I, I, I've been, I've had this conversation with Chris time and time again. If you're going to depend on value of something, your best bet would be to buy precious, precious. Ah, Jesus Christ, precious metals, gold, silver, platinum, whatever. Now, granted, those things fluctuate up and down. True, but. They're not as um, volatile as as uh, Bitcoin and stuff like that is. Uh, the The interesting thing about all that is we're focused on those things, digital currency, the Bitcoin and stuff, but we're not focused on these leaders of these countries that are doing these crazy-ass lockdowns and stuff. You know... The first phase of the Great Reset, in my opinion, started in Australia back in the summer of 21 when we saw these crazy lockdowns. Not even the lockdowns, because obviously we all dealt with that at some scale or another. It wasn't the lockdowns. It was the camps. It was the COVID camps and stuff that they had. In my opinion, it was helped by the citizens of that country giving up their guns back in 96. Um. You know, with the draconian measures that the government imposed in this country, it enabled the WEF to start rolling out this this whole thing worldwide. Next up was Canada. I mean, how do you think you do this so well in a country you start with division? 
you know, it starts out with protest, you know, like the Freedom Convoy or in this country, you know, two, you know, last year or was two years ago, whatever the black, uh, the, yeah, what was the name? George Floyd, you know, that kind of stuff. You have to have the division. You have to have racial division or uh, medical division or climate division or there's always got to be division, which kills me because it's like, um, <laughs> in Klaus Schwab's idea, the, the Kato plan, as it were, you want everyone to get along, but, but why do we want all this division? Well, it's easy because in the case of what just happened in Canada, when you have these situations happen, like you had in Australia, now in Canada, you were able, you know, it was a, enabled uh, Trudeau to enact the, uh, their form of martial law, which was called, which is called the Emergencies Act. Now, um, it's, it's interesting because this is, uh, where is it at here? This is the premier of Alberta. Now, before I read about the, the, uh, martial law in Canada and stuff, he had this to say about Trudeau. And now this is the premier of Canada, of uh, Alberta, so this would be like the governor, so to speak. And so, no, I'm not going to be taking any uh, policy direction from Klaus Schwab or his, his ilk. But, and what I find offensive, look, the so-called Great Reset is not a conspiracy theory. It is a actual set of, propo of concrete proposals being advocated by some very influential people, and including, apparently, by Prime Minister Trudeau, who clearly alluded to it, referred to it, quoted from it, the Schwab theory, uh, in a speech he gave to the United Nations a couple of months ago. So it's not a conspiracy theory to talk about that. Those are the folks advocating it. And I think it's perfectly legitimate for democratically elected leaders for me to say, heck no, we're not going to exploit or take the... Uh, take advantage of a crisis to uh, advance a political agenda. So, like he just said, you have um, situations where in Canada, the, um, the conservative movement, like when in this country we call Republicans, Democrats, whatever, um, in the last month has gained 10% following. So with like in this country, and we say this, we say it jokingly, we say, you know, Chris and I'll call it that, didn't have that pesky document, the constitution, right? And we say that, you know, haha, pesky document, right? We mean that because no other country has that kind of documentation. It can const in other countries they have constitutions, but they can constantly be changed or overrode by their leadership. So in Canada, you have a leader who basically who was elected, mind you, but has basically anointed himself king of Canada, and by doing so, is telling its citizens, "You you have no rights now." Um. So who's to say they don't start doing things that they're doing in, in Australia? And I don't know. So it's good to see that you have governors in Canada that are 
fighting back, so to speak. We'll see how much this guy, how much push he has. You know, is he is he doing this so he could be the next prime minister? I don't know. Maybe. Whatever. But the problem is, is you have a hidden alliance of former WEF young global leaders working in lockstep to enforce the Great Reset. And these people include Macron, Trudeau, Adderin, and uh, Boris Johnson. I mean, how is it that more than 190 governments from all over the world ended up dealing with the coronavirus, uh, COVID pandemic, right? In almost the exact same manner with lockdowns, mass mandates, vaccinations, uh, now being common or enforced everywhere. The answer is these young global leaders. So there was a, there's a school <laughs> that was established and managed by Klaus Schwab and the WEF. And um, that many of today's prominent political business leaders pass through on the way up to the top. So I found this. This is in the expose. This was uh, back in January. So a hidden alliance of political and corporate leaders is exploiting the pandemic with the aim of crashing national economies and introducing a global digital currency. And these leaders include President of France Macron, Prime Minister of Canada Trudeau, Prime Minister of New Zealand Jacinda Ardern, Ardern and Prime Minister Boris Johnson. This isn't fiction. It's fact. Um, I, I, I have a clip here. So just listen to the presidents of the World Economic Forum saying, saying this to uh, himself. And I have to say, um, when I mention our names, like Mrs. Merkel, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. But... Um, what we are very proud of now is the young generation, like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, of uh, Argentina and so on, that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a, at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau, and Horrible I working there, guys. know that half of this cabinet, or even more half of, uh, half of this cabinet, are for our actually young global leaders of the world economy forum. And that's true in Argentina too. Jesus wow. Christ, yeah. dude. Sorry, that's true in Argentina as well. It's true in Argentina and uh, it's true in France now. Mm -hmm. I mean, with the president, with a young global leader, but what is important for me. So it's interesting how shitty uh, of uh, <laughs> audio these fucking people have. You're such a great world economic forum. You can't run a motherfucking microphone. I'm a dipshit with a part-time podcast, works a full-time job, and my shit sounds better than that. But nonetheless, I'm getting a little ramped up on this bullshit. Anyway, <laughs> just it was loud as fuck. I'm sure you're going to hear every every ounce of that unless I'm able to take it out. But nonetheless, so the story begins with the WEF, which is an NGO founded by Klaus Schwab, a German economic economist and mechanical engineer in Switzerland in 1971. When he was only 32 years old, <laughs> the WEF is best known to the public for an annual conferences hold in Davos, Switzerland, each January that aim to bring together political and business leaders from around the world to discuss the problems of the day. Today is one of the most important networks in the world, globalist power elite being funded by approximately a thousand multinational corporations. 
The WEF, which was originally called the European Management Forum until 87, succeeded in bringing together 440 executives from 31 nations already. Um, and at its very first meeting in February of 71, which was unexpected achievement for someone like Schwab, who had very little international or professional experience prior to this. The reason may be due to the contacts Schwab, Schwab made during his university ex- education, including studying with no less a person than former National Security Advisor and Secretary of State Henry Kissinger. Hmm, interesting. The forum initially only brought together people from the economic field, but before long it began attracting politicians, prominent figures from the media, and even celebrities. In 92, Schwab established a parallel institution called Global Leaders for Tomorrow School, which was reestablished as uh, Young Global Leaders in 04. Attendees to the school must apply for admission and are then subject, subjected to a rigorous selection process. Member of these schools, very first class in 92, already include many who went on to become important liberal political figures such as Angela Merkel, Nicholas Sarkovi, and Tony Blair. Interesting. Very, very interesting, right? There are currently about 1,300 graduates of this school, and the list of alumni includes several names who's, uh, who went on to become leaders of health industri- um, institutions of their respective nations. Four of them are former and current health ministers of Germany, including Jess Spahn, who has been f- uh, federal minister of health in, since 18, 2018, Philip Rosler, who was a minister of health from 09 to 11, and was appointed the WEF's managing director by Swab in 2014. Other notable names on the roster are Jacinda Ardern, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, I already said that. Macron, we said that. Let's see if there's any other names that really pop up here. Of course, I'm just scanning through here. Let me let me back up here. Let me back it up, back it up, back it up. Okay, so Ardern... Uh, let's see. Okay, these are going to be some very interesting names. <laughs> very interesting names. Okay, Sebastian Kurz, who is recent until recently was the Chancellor of Austria. Viktor Orban, Prime Minister of Hungary. Jean-Claude Juncker, <laughs> former Vice, uh, Prime Minister of Luxembourg and President of the European Commission. Uh, and Alina... Barabach, the leader of the German Greens, uh, Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada, and last but not least, well, now I got another last but not least, but this one's actually pretty big. Vladimir Putin, President of Russia. We also find California Governor Gavin Newsom on the list, who was selected uh, for the class of 2005 as well as former presidential candidate and current U.S. Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, who is very recent alumni have been selected the class of 2019. Now, <laughs> these names, and I, and I have a few more names here in a second, but those names, those are, those are quote-unquote world leaders. Obviously, Gavin Newsom's not a world leader, and Buttigieg isn't yet, I guess. But you know, it's interesting finding this list of names because 
Pete Buttigieg, for example, Gavin Newsom, for example. So we we know Gavin Newsom's relative is Nancy Pelosi, and we kind of assume that's kind of how he's where he's at. But is it because of that, or is it because of this? Pete Buttigieg. Who in the fuck is Pete Buttigieg? Right, he was the mayor of a of freaking. Uh, oh crap! What's the second anything of the town now? Uh, and Indiana. I can't think. It's where Notre Dame is. For the life of me, I can't think of the freaking name. And I swear to God, it drives me crazy when I do that. So I'm gonna stop and I'm gonna look it up. You know, I <laughs> really. I have so much crap going on in my head that I forget the little things. South Bend, Indiana <laughs> is where he was the, the mayor. At any rate, he went from being mayor of this relatively small college town, right? South Bend, Indiana isn't really anything major other than home for the University of Notre Dame. Ran the city from all accounts very shittily, but went from that to running for president, obviously not doing very well, but still he's secretary of the labor or whatever, right? But nonetheless, it, it makes sense now. He went to this WEF leader school, global leader school. He is going to be a name to be reckoned with in the future, unfortunately. But the Vladimir Putin on here is interesting to me because that kind of makes sense about everyone, okay, uh, Vladimir Putin, right? Ex-KGB officer, very much a Soviet Union nationalist, believes that the country should be whole again, and that's why this is going on in the Ukraine. Is it? Does this have anything to do with that? Or does it have to do with this? And that's just part of it. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? Because why... Why are we focused on the Ukraine? Why is he focused on the Ukraine? There's, what, six, seven other countries that are bordering Europe and uh, Russia that were former Soviet Union, and you don't see this. Is it because they're anti-Russia when most of the country's Russian people... I, it's very interesting seeing... <laughs> Vladimir Putin's name on this list. And what I'm going to do about that is I'm going to research this a little bit further and we'll talk about it on a further on a future show, maybe Sunday. So, but um, let me keep reading some of these names. Now, those were obviously world leaders. Those were prime ministers, presidents, um, governors, whatever. But um, all these politicians who were in office during the past two years have favored harsh responses to the COVID-19 pandemic, which also happens to uh, considerably increase their respective government's powers. So it's true. If you think about all those names on that list, those countries had staunch pandemic responses. But the school's list of alumni isn't limited to political leaders. We also found many of the captains of private industry on here, including... Microsoft's Bill Gates, Amazon's Jeff Bezos, Virgin Atlantic's Richard Branson, Wikipedia founder Jimmy Wales, and of course, the Clinton Foundation's Chelsea Clinton. <laughs> okay, take those names. Okay, Bill Gates, 
obviously, is a pandemic monger, a vaccine pusher, and Bezos controls a lot of the internet. Richard Branson is doing his thing, but remember that name I just told you about on this. We touched on a little bit here, but I spoke about him on the last show. 23andMe. Richard Branson owns Virgin Galactica, right? Now, what I tied in there was BlackRock, Black, uh, BlackRock and Blackstone and uh, have a part of that company. Also, Blackstone uh, owns Ancestry.com. <laughs> Back to the why. Why do these companies, why do these people want to own DNA companies? Hmm. <sighs> Again, all of them express support for the global response to the pandemic, and many reaped considerable profits as a result of measures. And so, for example, Bezos. So, like you can sit here, I can sit here and say Bill Gates, vaccines. Uh, Richard Branson, don't know what he has to do with this as much as, of, of, as far as anything's concerned. Surely he saw profits. But it was interesting. My tie to him is more the 23andMe, the DNA situation. Jimmy Wales, Wikipedia, whatever. Chelsea Clinton. Do I need to say anything more about that? But Jeff Bezos made a shit ton of money from this pandemic. A shit ton of money from this pandemic. Right? How many of us, I'm I'm, I'm including myself, I'm not blaming y'all. How many of us bought shit from Amazon over the past two years? More so than you did previously right i'm sure it was a lot and if um and it says so if you don't believe boris johnson the prime minister of uk isn't in on this build back better slogans then you might want to take a look at this image of him at the wef young globers uh global leaders event and he's he's chilling hold on a second boris johnson blah 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 yeah so this was when he was younger leaders who have been groomed by the wef and and i tell you what just for just so you guys know I'm not bullshitting you or whatever, I'm going to put this uh, article in the show notes so you can read it and you can look up stuff yourself because there's links and stuff. But nonetheless, leaders who have been groomed by the WEF have infiltrated governments around the world and they have worked in lockstep to implement ridiculous draconian restrictions under the guise of alleged viruses that kills less than 0.2% of those infects. So another thing I'm going to put in here now that I'm thinking about with Boris Johnson so he's probably one of the global leaders that, um, like in Europe, or I'm sorry, in England, they've um, started relaxing a lot of the COVID stuff. But we spoke about this before. It's kind of like the more, the more punishment they put on you, the more grateful you will be when they release the punishment. And I'm not talking about Boris Johnson per se. I'm talking about all of them. It's just like being a parent, right? You punish your children when they do stuff bad. And when, they're, when they make up for it, when they do good, if they have bad grades or whatever, you might take the TV or take, I guess nowadays, we, don't, we take the phones away or take the iPads or whatever. Um, but then when they do good, you give it back to them, right? You reward them. And it's the same, it's the same thing. But... Um, the following text here is taken from documents released by the Rockefeller Foundation in 2010 titled Scenarios for the Future of Technology in International Development. 
It describes a future scenario playing out, uh, which the document terms uh, as lockstep scenario. So it's titled Scenario of the Future for the Future of Technology and International Development. This is from the Rockefeller Foundation and the Global Business Network. Now, before I read on this, I'm going to state this. Rockefeller Foundation is a is a <laughs> an American. Uh, I'm going to use that term loosely because any company that is is founded and ran by quote unquote Americans, and I, and the reason I say quote unquote Americans because if you're doing this kind of bullshit to your own people, you're not American. Okay, and back to Trump, and I and I don't know that Trump is a good guy or not. He could be part of this. I don't know. He could be the the Dennis Leary and all this, so to speak. You see what I'm saying? I want to believe. I want to believe, and I think all of us want to believe in our hearts of hearts that there is good people. And we have white hats. And we have black hats. Um, right now, everybody I'm talking about are black hats. And the reason me and Chris have had this discussion about Trump, how do we know he's not part of this? How do we know he's just not the the better of, of the evils? The reason I kind of disagree with that, and we've had this discussion, is if that were true, I mean, we've had Republican presidents and Democratic presidents, but in the grand scheme of things, they all kind of get along. No one of any kind of power like Trump. No one. I don't care if you had an R or a D next to your name. They didn't like him. Why? Because they're part of this. Why didn't they like him? Because he didn't want to be part of this. Schwab mentioned that, not necessarily by name, but nationalist, global, or individualist, you know, free market, blah, blah, blah. That's Trump. I mean, they said it without saying it. Anyway, so I'm going to read this article. In 2020, the pandemic that the world had been anticipating for years, finally hit. Unlike the 04 SARS ep- epidemic, this new coronavirus strain, original <laughs> origin unknown, was extremely virulent and deadly. Even the most pandemic-prepared nations were quickly overwhelmed when the virus streaked around the world, infecting, affecting nearly 20% of the global population and killing millions in just seven months. The pandemic had Uh, A deadly effect on economies, international mobility of both people and goods stretched to a halt. I'm sorry, screeched to a halt. Debilitating industries like tourism and breaking global supply chains. Even locally, normally bustling shops and office buildings sat empty for months. Devoid of both employees and customers, the pandemic blanketed the planet. Though uh, disproportionate numbers died in care homes where the virus spread like wildfires and the absence of official containment protocols. Let me see how long this is. Okay, okay. <laughs> the United Kingdom's initial policy of strongly discouraging citizens from flying uh, proved deadly in its leniency. Accelerating the spread of the virus was just not within the UK but across borders. However, a few countries did fare better. Better. China in particular, the Chinese government quick re- <laughs> quick imposition and enforcement of mandate quarantine for all citizens as well as its instant near hermetic sealing off of the borders saved millions of lives. Well, of course, because it started there. Let's not say that, right? 
stopping the spread of the virus earlier than other countries and enabling a swifter post-pandemic recovery. And I also will note, I don't know, if, uh, let me see. No, yeah, I'll read on. So China, China's government was not only was not the only one that took extreme measures to protect its citizens from exposure during the pandemic. National leaders around the world flexed their authoritarian and imposed airtight rules and restrictions uh, from the mandates of wearing face masks to body temperature checks at entries to communal spaces like train stations and supermarkets. You will uh, have noticed a few words within the article, which we highlighted in bold. These were words that were changed in order to bring the document in line with the current scenario playing out across the world. So, I love how in the article they don't mention anything about how it started in China. It's, you know, origins unknown, right? But nonetheless, um, I, like I said, I'll put this on the um, on the page, and it's 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 interesting to read this as I read on that the expose. This company is now censored by Google, Facebook, Twitter, and PayPal. So. It's very interested. They're not uh, found, funded by government. So this is an independent situation. They, they do ask for donations. Um, it is interesting, though, that they came up with these names. Um, but then you move on from this. Canada is now officially under martial law. Trudeau, right? Um, he, he wasn't even in the House when they voted on it. I don't need to go into deal. You guys know this. But... Um, they're now being ruled under martial law, which is called the Emergencies Act. Um, so say what you want about Trudeau. Uh, the people that live in Canada that are listening to this, uh, your duly elected people voted on this. I will say this. It was uh, proclaimed, so 185 for, 151 against. Every conservative in, what is it, the House of Commons or whatever, what do they call their, uh, yeah, House of Commons, that voted on this, all the conservatives voted against it. So you have that going for you. The problem is moving forward with martial law. I don't know how, what exactly the Emergencies Acts entails, but, um, what does that do for y'all's for voting for, for for the future? Because in my opinion, number one, Trudeau's got to go. And I would say 185 other House of Common, whatever you guys call them up there, they got to go too. But nonetheless. um, Jeez Louise, I'm almost to an hour here. So uh, I'm going to skip this last part because I'm going to have more about this down the road. So we'll, we'll go into that later. I want to, um, I want to hit our, uh, News of the obvious, because I got company showing up at the house here, and uh, I got to wrap this thing up, so. News of the obvious, with your host, PCGC. Okay, so we all know Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself, <laughs> right? All right, so we all know that Ghislaine Maxwell is in prison for what she did or didn't do or was a part of or wasn't a part of. Okay. Well, there's another name. Jean-Luc Brunel. He uh, he just killed himself, interestingly enough, uh, by the use of uh, hanging himself with a bed sheet in his prison cell. 
Um, so the French modeling scout had a history of several suicide attempts since he was taken into custody in Charles de Gaulle airport in Paris in 2020. But, uh, when he was found dead early Saturday at La Santé prison, the disgraced fashion fixture was not under active suicide watch called emergency protection in France. The newspaper reported if he had been under suicide watch, he had been placed in a special cell which typically had rounded corners, paper cloths, um, terrible bed sheets to prevent inmates from hurting themselves, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, interesting, right? So supposedly this guy had had several suicide attempts, but he was placed in non-suicide watch, non-emergency protection, and then he kills himself the same way that, that, uh, that what's-his-face, Epstein did, right? So now you have Ghislaine Maxwell's family fears for her safety after Brunel found dead. Well, why would Ghislaine Maxwell's family fear for her safety? Well, maybe it's because he didn't kill himself. Maybe it's become because Epstein didn't kill himself. Maybe she knows more about what the hell's actually going on, right? So no one's talking about this... Uh, this Brunel guy killing himself, by the way. And very little people covered the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. So it's just interesting that Epstein, quote-unquote, killed himself, hanging, hanging himself with a bed sheet from the edge of his bed, somehow or another, doing that. That was big news. Everyone was talking about that. But as the story went on, the coverage got less. Why is that? All right, I'm going to touch on this real quick. Uh, Russia's invading Ukraine, and we are all going to die. No. Um, I'm really not going to dwell on this because it is what it is. Um, it's interesting how a week or so ago, it was a, a bunch of do about nothing. Now, all of a sudden, they might be going to war. Did we... I asked this question to Chris. Do you think we had anything to do with this? We, not me and Chris, but <laughs> this country, Biden, we're like poking the bear, kind of like, uh, you know, two guys talking shit about each other at school. And then you're saying, Hey, he said this about you. And you go to the other one. Hey, he said this about you. Hey, he called your mama fat. He called, Hey, he called your mama ugly. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. As I read the article about the left and the global leader school kind of makes it a little bit more clear as to what's actually going on. Like I said, I'm going to do a little more research on that and um, dig into those comparisons uh, down the road. Um, just trying to keep things a little bit different than your regular podcast. Trying to find other things to talk about as to why the things that are happening are happening. Other than the basic news story, COVID, Russia invades Ukraine, blah, blah, blah. Find out why. Why are these things happening other than what they're telling us on the news? All right. All right, guys, please make sure you're following us on the social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, Don't Tread on America, Twitter, DTOM underscore 1775. And hell, if you want to follow me on TikTok, I'm on there, Don't Tread on America. But if you go to our website, Don't Tread on America.com, you can hit us up from all those locations. And please, guys, make sure you're sharing this with your friends. Let's keep this thing going. And uh, like I said before, if you could please, whatever app you're listening to this on, if you give us a five-star review, if you want to write something, 
cool. If you don't, just hit that five star. It takes two seconds. And then, uh, like I said, if you subscribe to the website um, on there, you can do questions. You can ask questions. You can tell me I suck. You can tell me how great I am, whatever. And uh, also this Friday, Chris will be back in studio for another episode of our DTOM files. I can't really go into what we're talking about. Um, but just know it'll be another fun-filled uh, probably two-hour or so show of uh, fuckery and a little bit of drinking and yeah, it's, it's Friday, so we're going to have some fun. So make sure you join us then, guys. And uh, please, if you subscribe to the page, subscribe to whatever app you're listening to this on. That way you get updates on the shows. And uh, I'll talk to you guys again on Friday. Have a great day. And uh, be safe out there. <laughs>